Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful resources in an age of disinformation. Our name is inspired from a quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you War and Poems. And with that, this is Luke here in Wisconsin, and as always, I'm joined by Nick in North Carolina. How's it going, Nick? It's going pretty good, pretty good. I am so excited to talk about war. Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing uh... is more nuanced than war. It's a very fitting topic for our podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Um... And okay, I'm just gonna throw this out there right away because I was talking with a friend about the title of this episode and realized I'm like, oh, I guess my title wasn't that creative. After I was so proud of the final straw last week. Um, oh, that's true because that, that was consecutive. Yeah, so now you're just bringing it down low. I know because literally we're recommending a podcast episode called War Poems. Um, by npr podcast lost in translation so literally named ours war and poems <laughs> theirs is called war poems so i guess you know i wasn't even trying to do that but i guess listening to their episode definitely made me think of war than poems so in and a way poems. i think they hit their title right smack dab on the head you know like nailed that <laughs> Um, Well, I was thinking more that you were doing some sort of play on, because I also did not take into account the title of their podcast episode, right? And so I was thinking that you meant like, you know, War and Peace. Oh, no, I haven't read that. As like an homage to it. Oh, I've heard about it as well. Yeah. Which is funny that I haven't read it because I am a big fan of Russian stuff. That That sounds so vague. I like Soviet cinema. Like, yeah, I like... A specific era of cinema that the USSR was known for, and they produced a lot of really good directors. Yeah, that's less that's less ambiguous than <laughs> I like Russian stuff. Oh man, pretty soon people are gonna be like, "See, he's a Marxist. We always knew it." Nick's a Marxist, yeah. uh- <laughs> and I am German, so I mean, you know, just <laughs> par for the course. I don't. What? Wait, how does that? What is Karl Marx? German? Oh, is he German? Yeah. I thought he was like in London when he was writing his manifesto, but I mean he was, but I'm pretty like eighty four percent certain he was German. <laughs> gotcha. Well, uh, okay, we're starting on a good like. Uh... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're like not even halfway through this season and just stumbling forward, you know. Oh, both left feet, striving valiantly, you know. As I guess by the time this comes out, the Olympics will probably be over. But right now, the Olympics are going on. You know, they're. Do you have any favorite uh, Olympics? Olympic sport. I mean, if I was watching it, I would like soccer, but I have not actually been watching it. I've not kept up. And the cool thing is that by the time this podcast episode comes out nobody's gonna care about the olympics so my opinion will be even less valid (laughs) (laughs) um not less valid maybe just less relevant um okay your perspective on your favorite sport matters nick (laughs) um 
interesting interesting choice because i honestly when i think of the olympics i almost always think of like at least with the summer olympics it's like ah gymnastics like that's so impressive how people be doing which hey midwest representation uh gold medal taken home by minnesotan that was pretty exciting I did see that on your Facebook. Yeah, I was like, this is where I'm getting all of my Olympic education from. Yeah, that's pretty It's from you, yeah. As long as it's, you know, Midwest Olympians, yeah. <laughs> right, the one post I made. <laughs> that's very true. Um, the one. I was like, this is all I know is literally the one post that Luke shared. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. All you need to know. Um, <laughs> moving on. Um, so we're talking about uh, wars. <laughs> Or sorry, war and poems. Um, and you might be wondering, what do war and poems have to do with each other? And I'm glad you asked. We're recommending a source that is talking a lot about the war in Afghanistan. And specifically, this originally came out several years ago. I don't know the exact date. But I think they've actually, my friend told me that they've done an updated, uh, just like a follow-up episode. So I haven't listened to that follow-up yet, but uh, I'm excited to find it track it down see what's going on but anyway it came out a couple years ago and it's all about it's kind of following a couple different people in the military and their experience as a part of a program called the afghan hands Um, basically there's these two almost vying um, philosophies inside the military at least there there was and it sounds like there may still be Um, although obviously now we are withdrawing from Afghanistan, there are other places in the world that the U S is present in military or intelligence agencies. And obviously the philosophy that the battle of the ideologies goes on. Um, and anyway, to sum up, this is a very broad overview. Um, one of the philosophies is kind of from the original going into Afghanistan. The idea is like, even if your country is not a terrorist organization if you are uh, harboring terrorists we are going to come and retaliate uh, that again very broad overview uh, perhaps not the most nuanced but that's kind of just a broad idea and then another philosophy saying hey if we're going to be in this country um, instead of just trying to fight our way to win it uh, we need to actually be engaging with the with the cultures there with the with the local peoples and their ways of life and it follows again it follows two different people in the military um there's a part of the story that's very tragic later um i don't want to give away too much don't want to spoil it for you but basically they were part of this um movement in the military where they're trying to interact with afghanis trying to speak dari is the language and they've there's actually a general that issued a a directive called the betrayus uh directive where it it allowed military um, personnel to interact with with afghanis and i will say to the podcast explains all this so i'm just giving you a broad overview but um yeah i found it very fascinating um nick before i go any other directions did you have any initial thoughts on war poems i mean i just thought it was fascinating that the whole like petraeus doctrine and then also the afghan hands and you know began in 2010 and this was you know 
what nine years or but at least a decent amount of time following our entrance into this conflict right that they were getting to the point which they were beginning to at least understand like hey maybe we should understand the culture of the people that we're trying to work alongside in this conflict right um so like yeah actually striving after cultural humility after not necessarily doing it for a really long time is it was encouraging to to see at least initially and obviously like we know how how it ends in a sense right but um i know like within that petraeus doctrine they were talking about how like you know you need to drink lots of tea and i definitely resonate with that because having worked with afghan refugees like yeah you you don't say no to drinking tea and (laughs) it's honestly that's really how i got into drinking tea to begin with was trying out their really sugary green tea and they used to get it, I think, from like a wholesale market that imported it from overseas um, in Durham, which is about 30 minutes out from Raleigh. And yeah, that stuff was really, really impressive to me. But it definitely is a very interesting podcast to be recommending, right? Because it's talking about these different veins of thought within the military and even like to the extent that within one vein which is definitely like i think at the time it was like the more commonly held notion before these programs are kind of implemented was that like you're going from one army base to the other and anything else outside of that you're going to be in like an armored vehicle like you're not actually going out and engaging with the populace or forging relationships um and so to see all the kind of like backlash that these programs were receiving because they were promoting like having authentic relationships with people that you know you're trying to gain their trust (laughs) was just a very interesting perspective that this podcast episode brought to light for me oh absolutely how they were talking about like you're not allowed to break the seal they talked about you go from one base just like you said armored vehicle it is interesting just to back up a little bit with what you were saying earlier about how it's it's surprising, almost shocking how it feels like this was spearheaded in, you know, around 2010. And it seems like it should be much more intuitive. Like, Hey, we, if we're going to be working alongside people, shouldn't we be talking with them, befriending them? I do understand they did, uh, they did offer a little bit of the other opposing viewpoint, I guess, or yeah, their philosophy, how, you know, no, no commanding officer wants to approve of someone going to be with locals and then find out that, oh, they were actually working, you know, undercover and they backstabbed them by taking them captive, the Americans captive. And then all of a sudden there's a video on YouTube of them being held captive. So I do understand, but I, I feel like that's a pretty extreme, like not, not at all that war isn't extreme, but more like, it seems like perhaps there can be anticipating those potential um, obstacles. Like perhaps they can still be armed. Um, but, you know, maybe someone's listening going, ah, Luke, you're a little naive. Like that's not how war works. And which I would say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you're right. I'm, I'm not an experienced, uh, I, I'm not a veteran. So uh, to be very just acknowledging my lack of experience, I can definitely say i get that 
Um, but also that I really appreciate that there are veterans in this podcast sharing both of those philosophies very clearly. Um, so I'm relying on their experience really. Yeah. And the people that are specifically highlighted, like you said, like they are veterans as well. Like these are people that like served multiple years and even like as the podcast shows later, like they even came back because they really believed in the message of the program and what they were trying to accomplish with it. Right. They were trying to actually have something that was more long-term and concrete, which is, you know, kind of par for the course. If you're hoping, like if you now, of course, granted, like we didn't necessarily intend to be there for 20 years. Right. But like, if you're there for the long term, the goal is to actually have relationships that last. And so when there's this constant influx of, you know, different soldiers every year when the deployment changes, um, just that structure in and of itself makes it very difficult to like have those bonds. And also with those cultural barriers, I remember um, hearing the podcast, they talked about how like you have to speak the culture and not just the language, right? Which is where that poetic part comes into play as I talk about later. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you want to elaborate a little bit on that actually right now, the poetry part? Well, from what I recall, because I listened to this a while ago, right? So um, I can't remember the person's name. Was it Felicia? Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, Felicia. Yeah, yeah. I remember she was just very knowledgeable regarding, and I think she ended up getting like doctorates in this, right? In like Persian poetry and literature. Yep. She got is a PhD. Right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I knew like, I wasn't sure if she had it at the time in which this she was doing that work, but I know that she like ended up getting a PhD at some point later on. Um, and yeah, like just hearing about, and then, cause they include a lot of like stories in which she's engaging with people and using those phrases that are innate to their culture. And then also incorporating poetry into it as well. And like, it's just really fascinating to see how she's using these like ancient Persian poems in a way that's fostering relationships, um, which just seems so like left field if you're considering the context in which she's there. Like, you know, she's in, and especially like if you're considering how the military was doing this before, you know, it's a military operation. We're going in, we're going out. That's it. So like this concept of having poems interspersed in your activities as a soldier, um, it's just very, very fascinating. And it was something that like the people really resonated with too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I were to think this may seem a little bit of a silly um, parallel, but like if I try to put myself imagining if there's like this occupying force in America, like obviously this is really a long, a long stretch of imagination currently, but whatever, <laughs> we're just, we're just going to go with it. And like, if they speak English, it's like, oh, cool, you understand English. Also, this is a little bit different because English is so used, like, so pervasively across the globe. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm trying like to think of like saying, <laughs> no, like say, think about like if you're having somebody from like let's say the Midwest, right, and they come down to North Carolina, and <laughs> oh, this is good. Uh, I'm trying the to Midwest think of a phrase will now. occupy the South. Um, if like. <laughs> If you're able to utilize, like, the phrase... Like, if I hear you start saying, like, y'all and stuff... Um, Are you talking about barbecue? A, 
or a barbecue yeah understanding like what an actual barbecue is um and not a cookout like there's a distinction right um yeah or if like being like... able to come into that environment and just have that familiarity because you've been educated and you've been prepared for it um it does help to foster relationships because there's less of a discordance there between cultures and kind of like what you might find to be normally familiar absolutely i mean and there's still stuff i don't remember it exactly but like if people were start talking about like ah is your barbecue vinegar based or i don't know what the other based is there's like ketchup based yeah ketchup and then there's um <laughs> no, i think in it. western north carolina there's also a mustard based one which frankly i've never had and i'm not sure if i'm opposed to it but i'm very much opposed to the ketchup based one because it's just not right <laughs> it's, I love, it's just not right honestly like i i'm sure i cannot appreciate all the nuances so if the midwest ever occupies north carolina in the future I uh, I don't know that I will I'll be able to relate very well. So we can, <laughs> this is this is really taking it far. Um, Not with your summer sausage sandwiches. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. If someone comes to the Midwest, it's like I actually. So I just started a new job. This is actually, this is kind of funny, and I I love it. I really love my the guy I'm working with. So that that makes it really fun. Um, but then he's asking me if I hunt. And I was like, I don't. And it was just like, what? You don't hunt? Like, it'd be like, if someone were, well, if we flip it, if someone were to occupy Wisconsin, it'd be like, they better know how to talk about hunting and fishing and the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about the winter. I mean, down here, we see, that's not even true. I can't say that like, oh, yeah, people talk about hunting and fishing all the time. It depends on where you are. Like in Raleigh, I've never heard that. But like. Growing up, yeah, like hunting and fishing were very, very big in the conversation and just like in the activities of people I knew. Like we had, you know, a pond next door growing up in which like I actually hated fishing. Um, Unpopular opinion, but I found it to be immensely boring as a kid. And all of my friends at my age were just really into it, right? And so like they'd be catching like koi and they actually loaded this artificial pond with like bass and catfish and stuff and so you know it made it really easy to catch them right because like that's the fun part not the waiting and so (laughs) it is interesting to see that like even within certain areas of the state you can find like kind of those different divides um, or expectations maybe in like what you're talking about i know my my sister-in-law was really big into um understanding where like southern hospitality came from and like the origins of that from like i think it was like scottish and irish culture and how it's very different from like german culture which i think is like honor based whereas like i think scottish and irish and i might be speaking out of my mouth but i think they're more like shame based and so that impacts like even like distinct areas of north carolina and like understanding of like where Southern culture or Southern hospitality comes from. And then where like some areas, like you don't even like really experience that or like you weren't necessarily as innately familiar with like these expectations. Right. Like we even uh, had say, for example, one of our, um, I don't remember which wedding this was that I went to, but like there was this expectation that and it was for a wedding at four o'clock, mind you, that people would be wearing evening attire like, there's this weird, like, southern expect. I don't know if it was just specific to the south, but 
I think that was where the association was coming from. And it's just so interesting that like, you don't necessarily like, so for like my family, like we were like, that doesn't make any sense. Like what the heck? So like, even like within the South, like there's these distinctions that you might not necessarily know where they originate from, but if you're aware of it, then you can actually like navigate these systems a lot easier. Ah, that's a good point of nuance. I mean, if we're going to take our analogy all the way back to Afghanistan, like perhaps, (laughs) I don't know, maybe it's not too much, you know, maybe again, I have not been to Afghanistan, so maybe I'm speaking too, uh, with too much presumption. So take this with a grain of salt, but maybe it's okay to say, Hey, they might also have regional differences. Um, oh, they do. But. Oh, they do. Yeah. I worked with people from very, like there were sustenance farmers. We worked with people in spec ops. Um, Afghanistan is just like a really diverse region. Like there's different dialects. Like we had an Afghan interpreter that, um, like they would interpret in Farsi. And so the dialect that I can't remember if they spoke Pashto or Urdu or something like that but like it was like not easily translatable and even though like the languages are almost identical like there's that gap between like the rural areas and then like areas near Kabul and so it's just very interesting to see how like stuff that you'd be like okay I have a Farsi translator like this should be fine and then it's not actually because they don't get it like they don't understand some of the terms that she's using because even within this country that we might perceive of as like it's not even necessarily a small country, but it's more like a middle-sized or medium-sized country, right? That there's still so much diversity there. Um, and so for somebody that's within the U.S. military, coming into the country with even that understanding, at least that, like that basic cultural humility, um, as we saw in the episode that we're recommending, it just goes a long way in like fostering relationships. Even to the extent that she's on like a what national TV cooking show, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And like she's literally, I think they called it the Golden Chef. Um, she's on that show, and she's. It, it's so interesting too because they talk a little bit about how the Taliban had successfully used propaganda, for lack of a better term, where the the Taliban would explode something in a village, and then they would convince everyone, "Oh, it was an American airstrike." which is just uh, very strategic in an asymmetrical warfare. Like, literally, I know asymmetrical is a fancy term, but basically, like, the United States and the Allied forces there have a lot more resources than the Taliban in a lot of ways. Um, and anyway, this this is just getting to my co-listener, actually, so I'll, I'll bring them in before I ramble anymore. Um, this is Micah from Wisconsin, so thank you, Micah, for being the co-listener. Um, he says... This episode from Rough Translation was a heart-wrenching look into the hidden conflict of ideology and strategy that is happening within the culture of the military today. The ongoing conflicts and interventions in the MENA, which I looked up is the Middle East and North, North Africa, have changed how war is waged. You can no longer win a war by having the best technology, biggest army, or most effective weapons. As we pull out of Afghanistan here in 2021, it has ultimately come down to the people of Afghanistan to determine their own fate. The story of Tim Kirk and Felicia challenged me to live courageously when building relationships 
and shows that oftentimes we can find a way to fight outside of violence if we are willing to change the way in which we view others. So thank you for that, Micah. Really appreciate um, your co-listening thoughts, your insight. And um, before we go, Nick, did you have any uh, last thoughts before we, we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say again how just amazing it was to hear about the impact that Felicia had within like both U S military and also just like relations with like there's local Afghans in the community as occupying forces are coming in. Right. And are there and, you know, interacting with people. Um, and I think in a sense, as you'll find out, like if you do listen to our resource, hopefully you do that, it kind of demonstrates almost it's just this very interesting dynamic between the US presence and just like the Afghan war in general. And that's a different topic for another episode, right? I definitely do have there's a lot to be said, let's just say, about the historical context of the Afghan war and everything that happened there. Um but I do find a little glimmer of hope in this podcast in that there if people are able to be culturally competent or at least have cultural humility because obviously like as we just described even within afghanistan like you can't understand every aspect of a people group's culture right like that's just kind of putting too much emphasis on your own capabilities as a person and not perhaps taking that humble stance of recognizing that hey maybe i don't know everything and I should just ask them. <laughs> um, but maybe perhaps things could have been different. And so maybe it'll provide us moving forward with better ways of engaging people in culturally um, humble ways. And I think yes. it bears relevance for us too, even here, especially even working with refugees too, now that um, we're going to be having more refugees coming into the country. Yeah, I mean, that that really jives well with what Micah's saying, too. You're talking about this cultural humility, and he's talking about living courageously when building relationships. So that that's a great way of putting it. Love humility. <laughs> always always trying to get to it. Um, always plug well, it. <laughs> yeah, we plug humility. We, we do our best to... to... Anyway. Hopefully we sound somewhat humble, yeah. Uh... I don't know. We're doing Maybe. our best. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us um, this week for War and Poems, similar to the, the name of the podcast we're recommending, the episode <laughs> War Poems. Um, we'll see you back next time for our next episode, Hope Misunderstood. <laughs>